Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today is my co-host, Nick Costco. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to, to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. You know, Nick, a lot of times people say to us um, during the process of learning about infinite banking, they say, well, how do you guys use it? Or how have you seen other people use it? And, you know, I was on a great call yesterday and right in the middle of the call, the person said, I think I want to use it this way. And, and it kind of evolved right then and there that we thought we were going to go in this direction. And now we're going to go in this direction. And it, and it made sense. And then they actually thought, well, maybe I should be doing more so that I maybe I can do both. But the point is, is that it's hard to say to somebody, hey, whatever way you think you're going to use it, you're not going to use it uh, that way. And, and it, you'll, you'll end up using it more and more ways and different ways, right? And sure. so... Maybe we can go back and talk about, uh, we're not going to use names, obviously, but we'll talk about a particular case that this person, um, how they started to use it and kind of, you can kind of start to see the flow and why it evolves when you're using infinite banking. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we get, we get questions all the time. People read the book, they, they get to the equipment financing example, and they want us to make that for them. And, you know, we, we push back on that. It's not because we don't want to do the work. It's because it's such a ridiculously wild guess to project into the future, right? Like, you could make that in hindsight, right? And so what we're going to do today is we're kind of going to look a little loosely in hindsight at somebody we've been working with for a few years. We're going to talk about how they came to us, the process of how they came to the conclusion that infinite banking was for them. Um, we say that all the time, like, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna teach you until you come to the conclusion whether this is for you or not for you. And this person came to that conclusion that it was for them. And so we're gonna walk you through, we're gonna protect the, uh, the, the person's uh, information. We've changed uh, a, a few key details. Then we're gonna talk about a few things that they've done with their system and uh, the impact that that's had on them uh, going forward. So uh, as always, if you, if you have questions about this, just go to createtailwind.com, uh, click on the contact us uh, button, and uh, one of us will, will reach back out to you promptly to, to answer your questions, set up a, a, a live coaching call for you. But uh, so let's just talk about this person came to us, Jim, a few years ago. It was a referral to you. Um, and they were, were looking to learn. They had uh, some money sitting uh, in, a, in a different financial institution. Um, this person was always willing uh, to rethink their thinking. And that's what Nelson belabored is we have to be willing to rethink our thinking and uh, learn something new. Um, he could have looked at this and said, cute idea guys, that's not for me. Uh, but it turned out he kept asking questions. So what did that process look like, Jim? Well, you know, it, it's, it's 
similar to how we approach everybody is we kind of do an overview of what infinite banking looks like. And that might be somebody watched a webinar, they might watch some of our videos or, or they, they might have us do a presentation live. And then, um, then we give them some uh, uh, tasks to educate themselves, right? And then they have to come back to us and say, yeah, this is something that I wanna learn more about, or I got some pushback from my quote, financial advisor, my financial planner, my financial babysitter, whatever you call that person, right? right. And so um, that was the case with this person is they said, and they got to the point where, please audience, just trust us on this one. They said, uh, will you meet with my financial advisor? Now, I always hate to do that, Nick, because, you know, what is the financial advisor going to say? <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you're thinking about, you know, I mean, uh, they, they have to, they have to push back because right. you're going to take money out of their pocket. Right. So they right. have to push back. And I told this person all of the questions and all of the reactions that this other financial babysitter would have. And did they? Uh, and more. <laughs> and more. Right. Almost to a word for word, though, what they, their conclusion was. So we get on this meeting, we go through it. I'm explaining the process, explaining how to make this work. The person doesn't say very much, right? They're typing notes. I can hear them typing and asking a few questions, but they don't really say anything, how they feel about it, anything else. And then they get off the phone or get off the Zoom call with our prospective client and they say what? They say, you shouldn't do that. In fact, they already had this elaborate email uh, written to the client, which was basically their CYA email saying we advise against this. Uh, but it was it was rife with objections that had to have been typed before we were even on that meeting. Absolutely. And so, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, this individual still thought, no, you know what, this is what I want to do. And they took this lump sum of money that was in this Wall Street controlled account, and they distributed it into infinite banking over a few years. And we're gonna kind of show you what that looked like. Yeah, um, so th those of you watching on YouTube uh, or uh, listening uh, on YouTube, or this illustration uh, is, is on there. And basically what this person had said to us is, hey, I've got $400,000 sitting over in this account um, that I would like to move into my banking system. How would I do that? And um, we, we typically take that number, divide by somewhere between two and two and four. Um, you know, it's usually kind of a sweet spot is in there, depending on the person's strategy, what they're going to do with it, uh, kind of dictates that timeline. And this person was, um, really looking to be conservative with it. Um, so we divided by four, which is how we come to the conclusion that we're going to put a hundred thousand dollars a year into this. And those of you listening, uh, Jim's going to walk through the visual presentation of this, what it looks like uh, from on the ins in the insurance policy uh, year year by year, and this is just the policy. This is no banking, right? And so, um, for everybody that can see this illustration, this column right here is going to be one we're going to be focusing on. It says cash surrender value increase. Okay, 
And then over here, we're going to talk about how much money we put into the contract to get that cash surrender value increase. And then over here is our total cash value, kind of a running total. Okay. Now, obviously, we have a considerable amount of death benefit for this person, almost 7.4 7 million, and it goes up from there, right? Okay, so the way that we typically show somebody and walk them through this is here you put in 100,000, you have an increase of almost 62,000, all right? So we know there's a cash drag there, okay? And th there it has to qualify as life insurance. We could throw a big term rider on there and manipulate the, ba the base and everything else. And in the first year, we would be better off. But we wouldn't be better off every year after that or for the long term. So that's not how we do it. it. We do it exactly the way Nelson advocated in the book. And there's a reason for that because one of the tenants that, that Nelson taught us was to think long term, right? Yeah, so, interesting, Jim, interesting to, to note in this, this guy had asked for some more death benefit in the early years. And this was part of just the evolution of it. Uh, those of you watching and those of you with a with an acute eye will notice that there happens to be a term writer in here. This was part of the the evolution of of teaching this client um, that he didn't need to do that. So you'll actually see about two thousand dollars a year of term term writer cost in it. That turned out it, we didn't we didn't have that in there to manipulate um, you know, the mech in this case. But you could actually look at the cash surrender value increase and add a couple thousand bucks to that uh, in the in the first few years because of, of that cost. Now they wound up not getting the term rider in it, um, but it, it's just something to point out for those of you uh, uh, watching at home and, and know what you're looking at here a little bit. Sure. So the first year we put in the hundred have about sixty two, right? And obviously our total is the same because it's the first year. The next year we put in 100, we have 95. But like Nick said, because they didn't do the term rider, which is the difference between the 40 and the 37,650, that number really would be close to 100, yeah, right? It's like 98 and change, almost 98, 98 and change, right? And so, so very similar to your banking account or your checking account at that point. Absolutely. And you have, and, and the total is almost, uh 158 right that's right okay so then the next year they put in a hundred thousand they have 98 but again we know that term cost isn't in there and that means that it's really at a hundred thousand or maybe a little bit more okay yep. and a total of 255 almost 256 makes sense fourth year the last year of capitalization we put in a hundred and we have a little bit more than a hundred Plus, we know we don't have that term cost, so maybe it's like 103 or something like that. <clears throat> Just know that all of these numbers on the cash value, like Nick said, are a little bit higher than what we were showing here. But this is where it gets kind of cool, is we drop that PUA rider off with this person because now we're starting to leverage in year four and five, right? And um, we're leveraging and and... Therefore, the money that doesn't leverage the paid up additions rider, which is dollar for dollar, well, we don't really want that anymore. We only want the leveraging dollars. Now, 
If this person wanted to pay the 100 in the fifth year, they could have. There's a lot of flexibility, but we're projecting them that they're not going to do that. But it doesn't mean that they're giving up anything because that's what this illustration says. They could continue to put the 100 in. So here's what I like to do is I like to jump from year five to year 10 because 10 years goes by faster than you think. And in year 10, Nick, this person's putting in 40, right? And they're going to have almost, well, they're really going to have more than 65 when we take the term cost out, right? All right. So Nick, let me ask you a question. You write me a check today for 40 grand and I turn around and write you one for 65. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. How many times today do you want to do that? How many, how long will you stay on the phone with me? And do you want that first check to be big or small? Big, big. That's right. right. When, um, yeah, we, we, you want to write the biggest check possible into your checking account, right? Absolutely. So audience, that's kind of the key. Okay, we don't want this to be 10,000 or 20,000 or whatever. We want it to be 400,000 or 4 million if we had the cash flow to do that. Okay, now imagine a business that has a lot of cash flow coming through it that I can I could flow in $4 million and have 6.5 to use. Is that a game changer for a business, Nick? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so this is what this person decided to do, okay? And now remember what's happening is we did this a few weeks ago, but this is, this is the policy setup. And every time that they make a deposit, the insurance company has to give them an interest-only loan if they request it, okay? And they will just put a lien on their cash value And this is our client. And they went and bought. What did they do with it the first time? Uh, the first time, I believe they started a, uh, a restaurant. Okay. So they bought a restaurant. It cash flowed, right? That's right. That flowed back to them. They didn't really need the money, if I remember right. So they paid some principal back to the insurance company. Yep. Okay, which it which reduced their lien, increased their net cash value. So they did it again. What they buy the next time? I believe they paid off uh, a couple notes that they had. Uh, real okay, estate. so they they recaptured interest, which created cash flow back to them, because that interest was going out to somebody else's bank, right? Yep. So then. Again, as that principle came back in, it reduced the lien, increased the cash value. So they did it again. And I know somewhere along the lines, they brought, bought a franchise. Yep. And that go. cash flowed back to them. Okay. So now they have these cash flows, right? And then they, um, what else did they buy? Real estate? Real estate. Yep. That works. And that cash flowed. Now we've covered this just a few weeks ago, but real quickly, Nick, we have a tax favored column over here. And the reason we do this ledger backwards is because you have to change your thinking. 
normally an accountant would tell you that the assets are on the left side of the ledger. We put them on the right side. Why? Because this is different. Because I have a tax favored rate of return because this is growing and appreciating in value. I have a tax favored rate of cash flow. I have a tax free ROR inside the insurance contract. And I have a tax free legacy rate of return. Because at some point in time, Nick, I will graduate from this world and I get all of that, right? So right. notice tax favored, tax free and assets. Nowhere am I talking about government control or anything else. Okay. Now, hold on. In the, in the process of that, okay, there was some opportunity where, where he wound up expanding a system. And one of the, the two cool things that this person did is that the partner in the restaurant wound up having insurance placed on them. Yep. Partner in the franchise wound up having insurance placed on them. So the system was expanded, keeping in mind, this was just from the first pool of money. There was no additional monies added to this that came off at the sideline. It was simply financing this from the capitalization of that first policy. Right, because as money flowed back in, we loaned it out again, just like a bank would do, Nick, right? Creating velocity of money by getting our money to move faster and faster and faster. Okay, so here's an example of what that might look like. All right, so the first year we put in 100,000 and I'm gonna round these numbers and I'm gonna take the term cost out, Nick, just kind of, yep. again, this is just an example. So I put in 100,000, I have 62,000 available and I use that 62,000 as a down payment for a restaurant and let's say it was a 20% down payment for the restaurant. And I'm going to go borrow um, 240,000, right? 240,000. And I'm going to buy the restaurant for about $300,000. Capital infusion of 300K. Yep. Okay. And I'm going to get around 25% cash on cash. Okay. And I'm going to just call that $15,000 a year or 5% uh, uh, net return on my total investment. Okay, regardless, yeah. I have 15 grand coming in. All right, the next year, he put in 100,000. And, you know, with everything, let's just call it 100,000 to make the math easy. Are you okay with that, Nick? Absolutely. All right, plus, he could use the 15,000 again. So he had $115,000 to go put into motion. He went and he paid off $115,000 or so of debt, right? Yeah, on some, on some small rental properties. And the volume of interest that he was paying, okay? And if you don't understand the difference between volume of interest and rate of, of the, and, interest rate than either read Nelson's book or watch some of the videos that we have, but the volume of interest was about 25%. Okay. 
let's just call it 25 grand because I think it was a little bit less than that. All right, so $25,000 volume of interest that was going to someone else now coming back to them. Plus, in that second year, there was still that 15 grand flowing in, right? That's right. All right, so they had approximately $40,000 flowing to them. This is the interest that they're recapturing. And then um, the, um, and then the, um, um, and then the cash flow from this first investment. The yeah. next year they put in a hundred thousand. Let's just say again, it's a flat hundred thousand to make the math easy. Okay. Plus the forty thousand, right? And um, they so they had one hundred and forty thousand dollars to go invest. They used it for a franchise, and let's just say the franchise was worth about seven hundred thousand dollars and was giving them a 25% cash on cash return or about 5% net on the business. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's 35,000, okay, that they created. Plus the 40,000. So that means their total cash flow because they still have this coming in, they're still recapturing this plus the 35,000 from the franchise. Okay, so now they have $75,000 coming in. Okay. Now I'm going to run out a little bit. This will be okay, though. Uh, is uh, I'm writing really big today for some reason, Nick. Is, uh, so they put in 100000 in that fourth year. Remember, they had $400,000 sitting in a Wall Street-based account, and they transferred that into infinite banking over four years. Now let's just say they had 100000 again. I'm just trying to make the math easy. Um, or let's say they had 105,000 because it, it did leverage a little bit. Yep. Plus they had $75,000 flowing back to them. Okay, that's $180,000. They went and they bought, they used this as a 20% down payment on some real estate that was worth about $900,000. Again, they were able to get 25% cash on cash or 5% cash flow from the total investment, okay? And that is 45,000 coming in. Do you, guys, do you see how this is building every year, Nick? Starts off kind of slow, but it's like a snowball, right? Starts off slow, but it gains momentum and it gains compounding because now we have our 75,000 plus the 45,000. So we have $120,000 of passive cash flow coming back in. Now think about it. Now this is what you said, Nick, is the base premium and we wanna drop that PUA off is $40,000. But we have $120,000 coming in. What does that mean? What does that trigger? That triggers expansion. Triggers expansion. That's right. Now, by the way, because he's going to take more money out of his pocket? No. <laughs> because now his assets, these assets over here that he's buying, they're building a system. 
Where does that end, Nick? Um, when people die. <laughs> it does. Okay. I was going to say it doesn't end, <clears throat> but yeah. I guess you are correct. When people graduate <laughs> from this world, this system ends. But does it, I mean, until that point, how does this shrink? It doesn't. It doesn't, right? We're always buying more and more assets. Where's the money flowing? Back to us. What are we going to do with it? Redeploy it. The faster we do that is called what? Velocity of money. Velocity of money. Now, even if you don't know what that means, it sounds cool, right? Velocity of money. So we want our money moving fast. Now, if your money's flowing away from you to other people, you do not want velocity of money, okay? That's, that's called overspending, all right? That's not a good thing. You don't want your money going away from you. But since the money's coming back to us, we want it to go as fast as we can because it's a contained system, right? Yeah, like in this case, like to, to speak to the equipment financing example again, you know, that system, and that example is not used terribly efficiently. Nelson right. balked to his graduation day uh, about the, the inherent flaws in there. That was all of that done through one policy. He didn't lend out all the cash value he had uh, on, a, on a repetitive basis. So in this case example that we're talking about, this person took out a, a $60,000 premium on uh, a restaurant partner. He took out a $20,000 premium on on the franchise partner. And so now the total system, like we want all, he's going to wind up with more base premium that's going to leverage throughout his system. And so when you put in 40 and you get 65 to use at some point, I mean, do you want, you want to put 40 into your, your checking account and have 40 to use, or you want to put 40 into your own banking system and have 65 to use to find new ideas, uh, uh, to deploy capital so, so think about what he did here nick is in just four years he created a system that had one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of passive revenue why do i say passive revenue and not passive income well because income is taxable not all that one hundred and twenty thousand dollars is taxable That's because right. he has deductions and depreciation and all kinds of stuff because of what he bought right but here is the other thing, <clears throat> excuse me. He, I mean, do you realize how much you would have to put in a, in a Wall Street account to generate $120,000 of passive income and know that that $120,000 in the Wall Street account was going down in value every day as far as your spending power because of inflation? And over here, he bought things that, he bought a restaurant. He can raise his prices if inflation gets out of hand. He bought um, real estate where he's renting. He can he could raise the rents. He bought um, a franchise again with the franchise. He he's he could he could raise the prices to keep up with inflation. How do you keep up with inflation inside of a Wall Street account? Good luck. It's tough, right? Okay. So he, he created cash flow, created assets that were uh, at least able to uh, hold off inflation to some degree, right? He did all of this and still had money sitting inside of the insurance contract, tax protected, tax invisible, 
right? Yeah. Okay, so compared to what? He would have had his money in a Wall Street account, $400,000. Let's just say he was getting 10% every year. Gross, right? Yeah, well, of course, yeah, of course it would be gross. But, but let's just say that even if he netted 10%, is that better? No. You know, because when you net 10% for four years in a row, what normally happens somewhere down the line, there's a correction. Now, again, what did he have to do? And as we wrap this up, Nick, what did he have to do? Well, he had to take control. He had to take action. He had to have courage to break away from the herd. You know, he, you know, if he wanted to have these things that are on the right side of the screen, if he stayed on that path, you know, this person has a W-2 job. He would have had to exchange more time for money to acquire the cash to go do this outside. And instead he was able to multitask those dollars created a tremendous amount of freedom in his life um, on the W-2 job perspective to, to not have to go do that, to not have to go exchange more time for money. Um, and so he, he was just able to multitask all of that. You know, in, here's what he did. With everything that you just said, he changed his thinking. And you know, if you think like the herd, where do you stay, Nick? <laughs> you stay in the herd. That's right. And, you know, thinking differently takes a certain amount of courage. And this individual had courage and he had to trust a guide, which was you and me, to, to walk him through this. And there were multiple, multiple meetings to talk about these things, right? But where's he at today? Well, I would, I would, if, if I'm him, which I know he does, he sleeps very soundly knowing that he has this system in place. We have gotten multiple texts and calls saying, thank you for introducing me to this. What I love is it's not, thank you for doing this for me. Thank, it's not, thank you for taking my money and growing it for me. Is thank you for introducing this to me so that I can go do what I want to do, to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And to Absolutely. have that, that peace of mind that Nelson talked about, that becoming your own banker creates a stress-free way of life. You know, and, and Nelson would have been really, really proud of, of infinite banking and what it helped people do during this um, COVID uh, uh uh, see, I don't like to call it a, I'm not going to call it a pandemic, Nick. I'm going to call no. it the COVID crisis. How's that? Cause it was a crisis. It was just maybe not what we were sold that it was. So, um, um, again, we don't get political on this show. So just excuse my last comments. If you don't believe that. Well, it's um, not about blaming, blaming it on COVID or whatever. It's about the reaction to it. Yeah. Who's to react a particular way because this allows us to be secure. And I think about all of the clients in the last year or so that have said, thank goodness I have this. Thank goodness I have used my system like this. And, you know, again, if you want to learn more about 
how to do this, Nick? How do, how do people reach out to us? Just go to createtailwind.com, click on the contact us button, and uh, we'll you put your contact information in there. Someone will reach out. Our commitment is to reach out to you within 24 hours. Uh, what you'll get is a scheduling link to set up a 20-minute call with me or one of the other uh, associates with us. And uh, we'll answer your questions, find out if there's a uh, uh, interest to continue learning more. You can also go to our YouTube channel. It's Create Tailwind, all one word. Um, there's a plethora of videos on there. Uh, download this uh, podcast. We appreciate it if you subscribe and uh, to like it. If you uh, are so inclined to review it, it'd be very appreciative. Um, you know, give us that five star rating because, frankly, that's the only appropriate amount of stars uh, for for the value we we brought to you today. And I'm I'm smiling from ear to ear. Um, but uh, we're not begging. If, <laughs> if you want, if you want to do a little more hands-off approach, that's uh, you know, watch the YouTube channel. You can go to infinitebanking.org. There's a plethora of resources on there. Um, that's where you can find information on this that doesn't contain a lot of noise, uh, frankly, because uh, there is like any subject matter. There's some noise out there on this subject matter too. But just go right to the source, infinitebanking.org, and um, everything you could you could hope to find is right there as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Nick, that was a great way to wrap it up. And uh, I was going to ask you any famous last words, but uh, I think that you uh, just uh, nailed it there at the end. So until next time, you know, it's just if you want to get out of the herd and you want to get out of the rat race, then find somebody that has done it and knows how to guide you. And at Create Tailwind, we would be um, honored to help you get out of the rat race and break away until next time. Thank you, Nick. I'm your host, Jim Oliver. Get out of the herd. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.